Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm actually really excited to, to bring this message to you today, something that God's had on my heart for a while, and something that I think uh, is, is a great time for, you know, with Christmas and all. Um, so sit back and enjoy. <laughs> Look, you know, I have so many memories of my grandma um, from growing up. She was a woman who had so much love in her life, love for the God, love for her family, and, and it was just an amazing time. As a little tyke, I had the opportunity to spend so much time with her because, well, quite frankly, she lived across the road. <laughs> but, you know, before I went, and my parents, they both worked full time. So before, uh, before I started going to school, you know, she was around. Um, and then once, of course, I was in school, there was the school holiday. She was like the built-in babysitter. And so this was a great opportunity, though, for me because this woman had so many life experiences. She was born in 1913 on the east coast of Canada, a place called Nova Scotia. Now, why do I tell you that? Because, look, think, 1913, how long ago is that? So this, this woman, you know, as a young child, she would have been exposed to World War I. Um, as a young adult, she lived through the Great Depression. She then immigrated to America under certain circumstances and ended up meeting my grandfather. After marrying him and being married for some time, she then kissed and farewelled him as he shipped off to the Navy for World War II, leaving her home alone as a single mom of two girls, not knowing if she would see her husband again. Now, thankfully, Grandpa did return. But then years later, she would once again farewell her oldest son, who would march off to the Army for the Vietnam War. And thank the Lord he did return, because that's my dad. But this was a woman of significant resilience. Uh, you know, she just had lived through so many things. And yes, she had so many fun and, and enjoyable things as well. It, it was just incredible, though. There was this one song that I remember that she liked to sing. It was Count Your Blessings. You know the one by John, Johnson Oatman, 1897 hymn? like really old one. And I know if Brian, Pastor Brian's listening to this now, he's already singing this. <laughs> but you know the words, you know, count your blessings, name them one by one, and you will be surprised at what the Lord has done. You know, and one of her favorites was, of course, to talk about her family. Um, you know, she, she just was so proud of her five children and the many grandchildren, great-grandchildren, even great-great-grandchildren that she got to be a part of. And she was a solid and adored matriarch of our family. But this, these conversations that we would have around this song, um, and, and just in general, like what was happening in my life, it, it was the first exposure that I actually had to the practice of gratitude. And what an amazing mentor I had. Because from my memory, my grandmother was ripped to the core with gratitude. Now, what imagery comes to your mind with ripped to the core? Because see, I think of someone with the legendary abs of steel. <laughs> and how did that person come to have such an iconic physique of definition? Well, let me tell you, with a lot more effort than these abs have ever seen. <laughs> but humor aside, core strength is one of the key factors to different parts of physical health, but specifically to our balance and stability. Now, what comes to mind when you think of balance and stability? Because I think of a wheel. You know, I, I like to cycle, so my bike wheel or maybe your car wheel. But the center part of that wheel, it is so significantly vital to the effective functioning, to the balance and stability of whatever that equipment is. 
It takes away the vibration, the wobbles, and it also is responsible for the distribution of weight. So take that physical analogy now and think of it in a framework of the emotional and spiritual life. And what might core, you know, core strength look like in that framework? What action might we be able to take that might not guarantee but would certainly contribute to and maintain balance and stability? Now, I bet some of you are thinking, oh, I know, I know. It's Galatians 5, you know, where God outlines the fruit of his spirit, the love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and I think I'm forgetting one. <laughs> and yes, these are core. These are, these are necessary. But I begin to wonder, might there be something else? Like, how do we get these anyway? Paul describes, you put on love. Well, how, how do you put on love? So I'm wondering if there might be some other attributes that contribute to this process. I mean, sure, Holy Spirit definitely is a part of imparting this to us. And the Scripture says that if you draw near to me, you draw near to God, God will draw near to us. And there'll be no arguments in this house, I am certain, that prayer and worship are keys, right? So it's safe to say then that just like exercise, there are several factors that will converge together to collectively promote that balance and stability. And the good health whether that be physical, spiritual, or emotional. But it takes effort, always takes effort. Even receiving Jesus takes effort. I mean, it's a verb, right? So it's the action of accepting him into our life, of being willing to have him as our Lord and Savior. Every key Bible story that I've ever heard or any experience that's been shared with me all, whether it be something like healing, miracles, deliverance, it always has some sort of action that accompanies it. Because faith is active. So let's return to my question earlier about balance and stability, but let's just take it a step further. Is it possible that God in His grand and perfect design possibly has prepared a skill that if we paid attention to what he wrote in Scripture and then took that and practiced it, put it into play intentionally, that it would serve at the center of our emotions to contribute to our balance and stability of emotional and spiritual health. See, over the past 20 years, there has been significant research in what we call today modern, uh, modern psycholo uh, positive psychology. And... It's particularly been looking at what are the key contributors that would have an outcome of happiness and resilience and other positive virtues. Now, I know that some of you in the room are thinking, ugh, psychology. But, you know, I'm actually really amazed at this science because there are some incredible gems that lie beneath our immediate attention so often. And what do I mean by that? Well, it's simple. The measurable outcomes of research directly align with what we read in the Word of God. So, for instance, sitting at the foundation, at the core strength, right, of our balance and stability when it comes to an emotional and therefore spiritual level has been found to be gratitude. 
Well, I think my grandma was onto something. I mean, she was continuously giving thanks and always counting her blessings, and she had a solid relationship with God. You know, there are hundreds, and I don't mean like 100. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of scriptures in the Bible that I love how the, the, the movie Pollyanna, the 1960 version with Haley Mills, if you've ever seen it, they, it's termed glad passages. Now, if you've not seen this movie, you've got to see it. It's really good. Yes, it's old, and the effects are no longer like today, but, but it really well portrays just how the intentional looking for those silver linings in whatever the situation would change the perspective and experience of our life. I mean, perhaps this is why God had Paul write in 1 Thessalonians 5, give thanks in everything and in every circumstance. Now, for me, I note that it doesn't say give thanks for everything. It says give thanks in everything. Because I don't think, I think Paul was talking about a deeper meaning. I don't think he was talking about this specific experience necessarily. He was talking about who was having that experience with us. He was talking about the fact that God is always with us and in us and for us and around us. So no matter what the circumstance or how grim it may seem, there is always something, at least one thing, that we can still be thankful for. You know, Paul even goes just that step further in that scripture, and it says, for this is the will of God, which comes right after that we give thanks, that we have genuine thankfulness, gratitude. Look, if you like a good read, then I recommend uh, The Resilience Project. It's based around this acronym called GEM, which stands for Gratitude, Empathy, and Mindfulness. But I just love the way the author describes gratitude. He says that it's the ability for us to pay attention to the things that we have rather than giving away our attention to the things that we don't. Now, that's quite amazing to me because research is actually suggesting now, they've realized, I mean, it won't be of any surprise to you, that one of the biggest barriers to gratitude is materialism. But turn with me to Hebrews 13. In verse 5, what does it say? Be content with such things as you have. Hello? It aligns so well, doesn't it? I just find it amazing, and I love that it aligns. See, modern research has evidenced quite clearly that gratitude has a positive correlation to our physical and emotional health to our life and social relationships, to our work satisfaction, our careers, to any recovery, if whether it be mental or physical, and to our spirituality. And why might that be? Well, see, when we express and receive gratitude, our brain has been designed to release dopamine and serotonin. And if those words aren't, you don't know those, that's okay. These are two crucial neurotransmitters that are responsible for our emotions. They're responsible for our balance and stability. So, of course, it is of no surprise that these have been found to be, that the practice of intentional gratitude has been found to strengthen these neuropathways, but with lasting effect on the brain. So, of course, the perfect outcome would be, wouldn't it, if we did this, that we're just always grateful and always happy now, of course, that's totally impractical. But what stands out to me, what I find so fascinating, is that this one design of virtue, would, when practiced and put into play intentionally, has such a significant impact on our core strength of balance and stability emotionally 
and spiritually. Frankly, what an incredible discovery of God's blueprint of our overall design. But you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And I said before, there are hundreds and hundreds of scriptures that are directly encouraging, related to, or you know, admonishing us to be grateful. Giving thanks, being thankful, with thanksgiving, grateful praise, the list goes on. So this being the case, I began to wonder, what would it look like if we were to mind map gratitude? So have a think about that. Like, if you've got a piece of paper, feel free to doodle on it or picture it in your mind. Like, what would be the attitudes, the values, and perhaps outcomes that you can think of that would be related to gratitude, interrelated with gratitude? See, when I put these scientific findings through a spiritual lens, I think of Ephesians 4 and verse 23. Let's read. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The NLT writes... Be renewed in your thoughts and your attitudes. This is all interrelated with gratitude. But we read on, and Paul actually finishes the thoughts of this fuller passage in the next chapter in verse 20, where he says, giving thanks always. (laughs) I think that when we really pay attention, what we're finding is that there's this amazing thread, a thread of gratitude right through the entire Bible. Another perfect example would be Philippians. We've got to read this one together because it's quite bold. Philippians 4 and verse 6, it goes so far as to say, be anxious for nothing. Not some things, nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, how? With thanksgiving, with gratitude. And let your requests be made known to God. But you know why I think this is so cool? Because research, you're going to go back to it, right? Research has identified, this is how the brain's been, that's what the scripture says, the brain is not capable. It is incapable of responding to anxiety and authentic gratitude at the same time. Is it no wonder why God gave us this scripture to completely embrace? Like, I just think that 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 alone is just so incredible. But then Paul goes even further, and let's read in verse 8. Because God describes where should we focus? Things on what are true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's holy, whatever's commendable. Anything that has excellence or is worthy of praise. Now, all of these are contributions or wrapped up in gratitude. See, these gems, they're just placed right through the whole Bible. So I'm curious now, if you've been thinking about it, what's your mind map looking like? Does it look like mine? It'll come up shortly. Maybe yours has more. One thing I'm sure, I don't think it's quite complete. I think there's probably more. But what would be the alternative? What if we didn't practice gratitude? What effect would that have on our lives? That's been researched as well. I'm going to read these ones to you because there's so many. And the effects of ingratitude 
Impatience, resentment, selfishness, being manipulative, negative outlook, insatiable needs, happiness, sorry, unhappiness, jealousy, unappreciative, critical, judgmental, blameful, uncooperative, and my very favorite, the ever-prevalent in today's economies, the attitude of entitlement. It's no surprise that the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley have termed or coined the phrase for ingratitude to be the king of vices. Now, why is that really cool? Let's read 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, I'm going to pick it up in verse 2, but this, verse 1 tells us this is basically a list of things, attitudes, behaviors for the end time. You know, it says people will be Lovers of self, selfish. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient. I'm sorry, aren't these very similar to what I just read were the actual researched effects of ingratitude? But more, next word in the ESV, ungrateful. It like literally just says ungrateful. And there's these other things that we don't want to partake of. But then it ends in verse 5. And what does it say? Avoid being these people. Well, it actually says avoid these people. But I've added being. Avoid being these people. What really is incredible to me is that nearly every single one of these negative behaviors is completely avoidable through the intentional practice of what God outlined for us being gratitude. And not only that, that ungrateful, ingratitude is specifically listed in this list. I mean, I don't want to be there. Now, we want to grow. We want to build. We want to expand our gratitude. We want to be transformed by the renewing of the mind, like Paul writes about in Romans 12 and verse 2. Yeah? So as this is so obviously important to God, at least in my opinion, because he's written so much about being uh, grateful, you know, encouraging us to be grateful, telling us how we can be grateful and where we can apply it, let me give us three practical actions that we can take to build gratitude into our daily lives. And I'll note, these are evidenced completely in the Bible and in modern research studies. Okay, number one mindfulness. Now, what is mindfulness? Well, basically, mindfulness is just, it's a practice of just being still in that moment and being completely aware and accepting of everything you might be thinking, feeling, or what your body's sensing. But more importantly, there are 65 or more scriptures in the Bible which completely allude to the practice of what we would term today to be the art of mindfulness. Things like stillness, you know, be still and know that I am God. Um, solitude, being present, paying attention. What do you mean paying attention? Okay, Colossians 4 and verse 2. And I'm going to read from the message because it's like perfect. Pray diligently. Stay alert. How do you stay alert? You stay present. You stay in the moment. You're, You're aware of your surroundings. You're intentionally mindful. But how? With your eyes wide open in gratitude. See, like it talks about, I mean, by definition, mindfulness is being intentionally aware, right? So a couple of weeks ago, I had the really great opportunity to shadow one of the global directors for one of the charities that I manage. And while we were down in Sydney, we were meeting, in, uh, you know, industry colleagues and networking with clients and potential clients. But of all the things that we did down there, the most memorable part of my trip had nothing to do with work. It was completely as a result of being intentionally aware of my surroundings effectively looking down and noticing this flower that was growing out of the crack of the footpath that should have been trampled but somehow protected. 
It was walking to the first meeting and looking up while I was waiting for the lights to change and noticing the incredible architecture somehow that was left to remain at the top of the contemporary building that had been built and noticing just how awesome it was to experience the different things that God had presented for the day. It was like yesterday when I walked out on my patio, and we live at the t on the second level of a two-story apartment building, and there's this palm tree that's currently in flower, and it was full of bees. And I hadn't noticed it before, but in that moment, it was like time just stood still, and I was just in awe of God's presence there and his design and what was going on. Because that's what, in, that, that's what mindfulness is all about. It's about being in that present moment. And when we contextualize it into gratitude, it's about being intentionally aware. Like you can be aware, but we're talking about intentionally aware. You're focusing your time on things that, are, are, that you're grateful for, things that are, you have, things that you're blessings, counting your blessings. So another part of being mindful is that you're intentionally expressive. That means saying thank you means, how many times do you say thank you to someone, and they're like really surprised, like, are you talking to me? It's, it's like it's a lost art, right? So being expressively thankful and doing random acts of kindness for people. It might be buying a coffee or whatever it might be, just, it, just saying a nice word of encouragement. But if this is a little bit too far out of your comfort zone, then that's okay. Then I want to encourage you that for the moment, as you practice, start at the basics. And that would be an intentional mental acknowledgement of gratitude. See, I am convinced that gratitude is a part of the process of the renewing of our mind that we read about in Ephesians. And it is definitely a part of encouraging others, even as Brownie talked about. Look, let's read in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11. I'm reading from, again from the English Standard Version. And it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. How good do you feel when someone gives you an expression of gratitude. And I know you feel good when you give gratitude. Because I feel awesome when I give it, and we've spoken about that before. So let's express our gratitude intentionally, right? So that's number one. Number two is start a gratitude journal. Look, there is a phenomenal amount of research um, demonstrating that there is a significant increase in the positive outlook for participants that actually engaged in specifically in intentional gratitude journaling. Why? Well, that's a little bit easy, I suppose. See, when you write, it activates the brain, right? So when you're activating the brain, you're also stimulating all those neuro connections at a deeper level. So it's enhancing our recall capacity. That's why you make a shopping list. Right? It enhances our ability to focus. And I can tell you from a coaching framework that most of our life's experience is directly related to how we perceive the world, how we receive the world, and, and the things that go on in, in our receptors. You know, but two decades of research continue to show us just how much correlation there is that this aspect of intentional gratitude journaling, it reduces stress, it, re it keeps, gives people better sleeping patterns, it makes them more satisfied at work, it gives them emotional awareness, and it basically allows them, puts them in a position to where they can purposefully shift their perspectives and therefore your experiences of life. And the Bible 
It's also all in on writing, is it not? I mean, it is the written word of God. His thoughts, his wisdom, his encouragements, his directions. But seriously, there are also quite a lot of scriptures that directly encourage writing things down. Why? Well, so that vision could be passed on, so that we wouldn't forget certain things, that we, you know, remember this or remember that, so that we would be able to implement certain aspects that he knows is best for us, so that we would integrate into our lives certain recorded aspects. So I think that it's safe to say that these two actions, the Mindfulness and the gratitude journaling, they, they can be quite an important tool. But, you know, when you couple that with the incredible design of the mind, see, we have an onboard reticular activating system. You say, we have a what? We have, let's just call it an RAS, right? Now, what, what is an RAS? Well, an RAS is basically God's upgrade of a honing device, but then he's added this little filter um, for any sensory information. Okay, what does that mean? Well, this is the best, this is gold. See, it's the gatekeeper for the, what information is allowed to go in your conscious mind. And that's design, right? So let me give you an example because you're still probably going, I don't get it. Well, that's Okay. Think of marketing messages. There are 5,000 minimum, they say, per day marketing messages that you will observe or hear. Some places, they say, is up to 10 or even more, 1,000 per day. That's so many. But you don't notice hardly any of them, do you? In fact, probably 90% of them just wash right over and you go unobserved. But why is that? It's because you're not, it's not of your interest. Your RAS hasn't been tuned into that. I'll give you an example. Um, think about the last time you got a different model car or uh, uh, whatever it is that you like, right? So I used to drive a Toyota. I drove lots of Toyotas. I had Toyotas for like a decade, different ones at different times, usually always used cars. But nonetheless, this time I thought, I'm going to get a Hyundai. You know, a lot of people drive Hyundais. I had no idea. Like, they're everywhere, including my model car. But why do I know it? Because I'm interested in that. You know, if you're a new parent, you will see certain things that we'll just overlook. You know, when you go off to university or you're buying a new house, what you're interested in is what your RAS just hones into, right? So when we intentionally take and develop our gratitude receptors, that is what our mind hones in on. Okay, so we've talked about Pollyanna, and we're talking about honing in on all these good things, but I want to recognize one thing. Positive doesn't mean ignoring the negative. See, positive is overcoming the negative. Positive means that we are taking control of what we think on and what we think about and what we're allowing into our brain to influence us because whatever that comes into our brain and influences is how we're going to perceive the world. And if we mix that in with gratitude, then we can actually control how much it can impact our balance and stability. And number three, our last point, is prayer and meditation. See, I think that it, this is a no-brainer for Christians because it's, it's like core to our relationship with God, right? But even the Bible, the Scripture tells us that we should engage with God with thanksgiving, with gratitude. It's like, it's, it's a core theme that we read continuously in the Bible, but this practice can actually be rather challenging. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'll be transparent. If I'm sick, if I'm really busy, if I'm a bit stressed, I have to be extremely mindful and protective. Or this is the first practice of life that gets compromised. 
But when we engage it, how much does it enhance us? You know, my personal experience with prayer and thankfulness is just how vibrant and clear things become. It's as if, you know, the fruit of the Spirit becomes prevalent in God's hand. You can just see it when you spend time with Him. I think it actually invites His presence. Jesus is the perfect example of this. I mean, when He was so busy, He goes off to pray. When He was effectively so stressed or knew something stressful was coming, He went off to pray. And it was reflected in the way that He spoke that nearly every time he opened his mouth, he was giving praise and gratitude to the Father. It was a part of his life. See, I think that that's part of what Paul was talking about in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16 to 18. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Because when these three converge together, they're like in I mean, it's, there's three. I just thought of it now, right? There's three. We talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It, the, the three of these together is like a cord that is almost unbreakable. And it is a way that just completely encourages and it motivates. And it's like an upward spiral that it, it just continues to enhance our life. I'm convinced that gratitude is a core value of God. And I definitely want to include this in my life. Now, I will pre- preface or whatever that the, these three practices, they're not necessarily causational, but they are uncontestably interconnected, correlated, and deeply impact our levels of gratitude. And we know without a doubt from Scripture and science that gratitude is a significant contributor to our emotional and spiritual balance and stability. I think that is really well said when we think about this amazing core strength uh, virtue in Psalm 111. And I'm going to paraphrase. What great design. What splendor and majesty in his work. The key takeaway for today is let's take these actions and let's really intentionally build, in, build grat- a platform of gratitude into our, our life. Look, my grandma, she had a full life, and she lived to the age of 92. And, uh, you know, nearly every single one of, well, maybe even all of the qualities that were on my mind map were in her life. And, you know, we've seen today that science confirms that all of these are key contributors directly associated with or attributed to gratitude. Personally, I, I think that this legacy of hers can really be given to the fact that she just practiced gratitude, thankfulness, and like everything that she did. She loved God. I'm so thankful that I got to spend time with her. I wasn't there when she passed away because I'd already moved to Amer- from America to Australia. But I know one thing for sure. When she was in her last moments, she was still thankful. And she was still counting her blessings, especially the next blessing, which for her, she knew was waltzing into heaven and entering his gates with thanksgiving. And how do I know this? Because she was quite verbal. She was adamant. She was determined. She was completely confident 
that when her life had finished, that she was going to be with Jesus. And I really hope that you have that confidence as well. Because there is such an enormous peace in, in the revelation that, that Jesus came and died for me. That he died for each and every person in this room today. That he died for each and every person who's not in this room today. That the love of God is so immense that when Jesus died, he took upon himself the penalty of sins past, present, and future of the time. And all of that so that he could turn it around and give a free gift of salvation to anyone and everyone who would believe in him. Maybe you've not had the opportunity to experience God's love, and maybe you don't know Jesus yet. But would you like to? Would you like to have this sense of gratitude just surging inside and mixing with praise and just that experience of having God's love in your life and knowing that there's someone always there with you in whatever you're doing? Because if that's something you'd like to do, then I want to invite you to, to pray with me. Actually, to pray with all of us because it's just a simple prayer. It's just asking Him to come into our life to, to be our Lord and Savior and to give, be willing to give our heart to Him. So let's all just stand together. Let's close our eyes and let's pray this prayer together. Just repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to save me from my life, sins. Jesus, I accept you as the Lord and Savior of my life. And I give you my heart. Amen. Look, if you've said this prayer for the first time, then, you know, we're really excited for you. And I personally want to say that may your journey with the Lord be just filled with so much gratitude and thanksgiving. I hope that you enjoyed this message on gratitude because I just really feel that God wants us all to, to realize that these hidden gems are strewn throughout his Bible, throughout his word. And let's go out today with one more song with the joy of the Lord in our heart and an attitude of gratitude. I wish you a wonderful rest of the day and week. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.